0: Welcome to the Leadership Window Podcast with Patrick Jinks. Each week, through a social sector lens, Patrick interviews leaders and experts and puts us in touch with trends and tips for leading effectively. Patrick is an LSI certified leadership coach, a member of the Forbes Coaches Council, a
1: best-selling author, award-winning photographer, and professional speaker. And now, here's Patrick. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 31 of the Leadership Window Podcast. I'm Patrick Jenks, leadership and strategy coach and president of the Jinx Perspective. And I will add to my um, little intro here that I'm also an adjunct leadership coach and trainer at Leadership Systems Incorporated. And it's important that I'm telling you that one today because... Um, well, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that we've got a partnership with Leadership Systems. You know that Dr. Jim Smith is on our advisory board here at The Jinx Perspective. He was our—he was actually our first guest on the podcast uh, back in October, I think, when we started this. And uh, there is a lot more to LSI than Dr. Jim Smith, uh, although he's the one that really is kind of the relationship guru and master in making all this happen. But... Today, we've got Michael Wallace on the show, and Michael is the lead coach trainer at LSI. He's also the owner of Creative Branding Designs, which focuses on social media marketing and branding. And uh, He also serves as an adjunct professor at High Point University. He teaches a course on social media communication. We'd all use that. (laughs) Uh, And Michael's focus is on developing leaders through executive coaching and content development. So man after my own heart, he's got a bachelor's in communication from Appalachian State, a master's degree in education from Dallas Seminary. I'm guessing, Michael, that that's um, part of uh, the connection between you and Jim, uh, as Jim is a Dallas Seminary, isn't isn't Jim, Jim's a Dallas Seminary uh, grad. Isn't that where he got his doctorate? Right. It,
0: that is correct. We yeah. have that in common. Uh, the not the doctor, but the school.
1: Yeah. Well, welcome to the show, Michael. Great to have you. Thank I've been looking forward thank to this you very
0: much. Glad to be here. Really appreciate you inviting me on. And uh, two from LSI within the first year. I, we're we're honored to be a part of uh, of the leadership window.
1: Well, listen. I mean, LSI. I I really do hope that our listeners will will pay close attention not just to your sort of thought and perspective, but I'd like to talk a little bit about LSI and and who it is and and what it is, because um, a lot of people that know me and have worked with me and seen my bio and those kinds of things know that I'm connected with LSI, but many of them still aren't quite sure what it is. Um, A lot of our clients have come to the uh, leadership coaching training that that LSI that has been putting on for a number of years now, and we're going to talk about that. But I want our listeners, by the way, to stay tuned throughout this program because we've got a special offer for you coming up at the end, and uh, it has to do with LSI. So if you're interested in uh, just growing as a leader, and particularly if you're interested in the concept of coaching, which, by the way, is in my opinion, the a manager's number one tool, a leader's number one tool inside an organization. But also, if you're interested in becoming a professional coach, where you're the external coach, um, that's what you know. That's what I do, for example. My my clients are my coaches, and um, thanks to LSI and and the certification I got there, uh, I got not only the sort of credential, but tr- truly feel qualified to coach because um, Jim's model, the master coach model is based in the center for creative leadership uh, where he's a 30 year coach and trainer himself, but he's put his own um, experience and flavor and, and dynamic to it that I think is truly unique to LSI. So we want to talk about some of that stuff. They are, uh, they're now a sponsor of the leadership window podcast. So thank you, uh, Michael and Jim and Taylor and all the folks at LSI. So, um, uh, Michael, I guess let's start with, I do want to learn a little bit about you, but before we do, just give us a quick um, insight, a quick summary of what LSI even is and what's some of the core things that you're doing at Leadership Systems because you're at the forefront of Everything from the military to corporate to nonprofit to small business to individual entrepreneurs, you're doing a lot of stuff and have grown, I think, every year for however long LSI has been in business. So give our listeners a little bit of a a review of who and what LSI even is. Absolutely.
0: Well, uh, I'm, I'm really privileged to be part of leadership systems. Um, our president, Dr. Jim Smith, who, uh, if you haven't, uh, if you're listening to this, but you haven't already listened to Jim's uh, interview on the leadership window, I'd encourage you to go back and start with that too. Cause he, uh, he's my, uh, coaching mentor, Patrick, uh, refers to him the same. And, uh, he is the, uh, the founder of leadership systems. He, um, essentially as a, as a, a trainer at the center for creative leadership, which is a, a pretty big uh, institution when it comes to leadership and, uh, and coaching in the coaching world. He, uh, as he was working there, he noticed that uh, his role as a feedback giver, that's what it was called before, uh, before we used the term coach in executive settings. Uh, uh, he would be a feedback giver and he saw there was so much value to that interaction with the clients that would, uh, would be involved. They, they came for the food and they came for the feedback. And, uh, as a trainer, he said, there's something to this process of feedback. So as he did his, uh, his doctoral, doctoral dissertation, he dug in even deeper and, uh, was able to, to lift out some things in that process that were extremely valuable, that were timeless. And that actually predates the usage of the word coach as an executive coach in, in our industry so he's been coaching since before coaching was a thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's, that's really a foundation for why, why leadership systems is. So our, our primary focus is coaching. Um, we do, uh, have a, a team of or a table of coaches that we utilize, um, to coach leaders of all kinds of industries from all over the world um, in positions from CEO to, to college students and everywhere in between. And so that's our primary focus is to coach. We also love to uh, to help train coaches. So um, you'll often see industry in the industry, you'll see people that they focus just on coaching or they focus just on training people to be coaches. We love to do both because we found that we were actually more effective at both of those things when we do both. So as coaches, we b- become better at training people to be coach. And as we train people to be coaches, we become better at coaching at the same time. So there's that two-way track that is um, a big part of what makes LSI so effective. The third bucket of what leadership systems does is, is general leadership development things. So you'll see uh, on our website and uh, some of the things that we offer, there is uh, everything from communication, conflict resolution, uh, team building activities, all kinds of things that are designed to help take leaders to their next step. But our, our primary focus is on coaching. That's, as as Patrick said, it's our sweet spot. It's really where we see um some of the, some of the most potential for growth for leaders, uh, at any stage of their career, there's, there's an ability to take a couple of steps in the direction of coaching that can be invaluable in the way that they, that they lead the way they see themselves as a leader, the way they see their, themselves as a teammate, um, leading up, leading over, leading down. There's so much value to that. So that's really the, the primary focus for leadership systems has been on, uh, the, the, the process, the skill, the art even of coaching.
1: Awesome. Yeah. And we're going to, we are definitely going to talk a good bit about coaching uh, today and and how it's different from other disciplines of leadership development. Uh, He said something a minute ago about when we train coaches, we get to we're we become better coaches, man. That is so true for a couple of reasons. My son and I were talking about this the other day about how teaching anytime you teach, you learn. And, uh, Absolutely. and what I think it's magnified in the coaching world now that I'm thinking about it, I'm just kind of thinking out loud here actually on it, Michael, but you know, because the coaching model is what it is based in inquiry, mm-hmm. I think the learning is exponential when we're training coaches, don't you?
0: Absolutely. And, uh, there's, I, I've noticed that with my kids as well, when I'm trying to get them to learn, you know, do homework and, and study for a test, they, they get tired of me saying it, but I'm always saying, teach it to me. And you're, oh, you're trying to learn yeah. this, uh, this, this thing about history and they're like, it's boring. It's dull. I'm like, well, just teach it to me. And in the process of them explaining to me this thing that they've learned, it is really ingrained in their mind and they, it, it makes it more memorable. It makes it more you know, sticky and they're, they're really learning it by teaching. And there's so much value uh, that we found through professionally doing that. Um, it, it just makes us better coaches. The inquiry process, as you said, uh, is so ingrained in how we learn. Uh, and it's one of the, one of my favorite words when it comes to coaching is being curious. There's so much value to being genuinely curious and the impact that has on you as a learner and as a leader and as a teacher uh, is invaluable.
1: I'm a teaching member at the right question Institute, which is a nonprofit organization that get this teaches school teachers how to teach their students, how to ask their own questions. Love it. And so what I do, I don't teach students and I don't teach teachers, but I do coach boards, boards of directors of, of, uh, nonprofits in particular, as well as staff teams. And we go through the exercise of it's called the question formulation technique. There's actually a Harvard a Harvard certificate in this now, which I have. And, um, uh, the question formulation technique gets people to think about the questions and get their minds off the answers for a minute. Let's not just dig straight. Let's not just go straight to answers. Let's make sure we're asking significant questions that's gonna elevate thought and that's gonna lead us to the right answers and the better answers. So um, I love that concept. It, tell us uh, about you, Michael. How? Tell us about your journey to LSI. Uh, you have an interesting background that goes everywhere from ministry to social media marketing and branding to uh, lots of different things. Um, tell us about the journey and how you've sort of gotten to this place and settled in at LSI and found a, a, a meaningful purpose here.
0: Sure thing. Uh, so my my background, as you mentioned, is in ministry. My, uh, my undergrad was in uh, communication with a minor in business and psychology, so trying to get as much out of the experience in college as I could, um, and went on to, to Dallas Seminary, where I got a Master's uh, of Arts in Christian Education. My, the next 15 years uh, of my life was really uh, focused on ministry, so worked um, at a church out in Dallas, Texas uh, for a while, um, and then another church in Knoxville, Tennessee, and then we eventually worked our way back home uh, to Central North Carolina in the, the High Point area where we have, uh, where we reside now. Um, and so along, along that way, I, I, I learned a lot about leadership working at multiple different churches and in multiple different settings and having various roles, uh, that kind of were, some of them were primarily in student ministry, but also had some creative planning and strategizing roles and some other leadership roles as like a campus pastor. Um, so throughout those experiences, I learned a lot. I learned a lot by doing things wrong, which I think is a valuable way to learn lessons. It's a little more painful, um, but those lessons usually last a little little bit longer in my experience. When you do it the wrong way uh, and you experience the consequences of that, you go, okay, definitely don't do that again. Um, And and also having opportunities to observe leadership uh, in mid-sized churches, large churches. We were a church that was over 40,000. So there's a lot of people and you end up learning a lot of things about leadership. Um, especially coming from, as as you know, with, with nonprofit there, when you're dealing with leadership in nonprofit and specifically in ministry, you're talking about leading people without the carrot or stick of a paycheck. And so you're talking about how to motivate and pull the best out of people uh, that are volunteering their time within your organization. And so I, I learned through those processes, through those 15 years of, of ministry, what to do, what not to do, some of the the strategies that were helpful. Um, but really I, I think the biggest thing that I learned in that season was leadership is helping people be successful. And if you can do that, then they will actually follow where, where you're helping them to get. Um, so being focused on the follower, as opposed to making people fo- focus on you as a leader. Um, and you can call that. There's a lot of different uh, terms for that. I know you, we've talked, you've talked to those before on your podcast, but um, I, I learned that firsthand through those experiences. Um, when I stepped out of vocational ministry uh, several years ago, uh, I, I had this sense that I was supposed to do something else. I was not sure what it was. And so I basically went back and said, okay, what do I really enjoy? What have I really enjoy? What am I passionate about over the last 15 years? Um, what do I get excited about doing that uh, that I could replicate from ministry into whatever the next season of life is? And so two two things really popped up. One was uh, the creative aspect of, of ministry. I really loved taking content, for lack of a better word, content that has never changed, hasn't changed for a long, long time. Uh, the Bible is the Bible and it will stay the Bible. And so regardless of what goes on in the world, the Bible is the Bible. And taking that content that doesn't change, but presenting it to a culture that is constantly changing was a fun challenge for me. I really enjoyed the creativity that, that took not to tweak or morph the content, but to present it in a way that it was attractive to present it to a way that it was seen as applicable as it really is in a culture that shifts all the time. I love that aspect of creativity. So that really kind of, for me slid me into uh, a marketing mindset. And so I started doing some marketing things for uh, some friends and it kind of grew into a, a company. Um, it also added into the opportunity to teach uh, social media. When you, when you cut your teeth on student ministry uh, in the, in the two thousands, you, you, you learn social media as it's happening. So on the fly, you kind of catch a lot of those things. And um, that has had became a, uh, a role as an adjunct professor. And I really enjoy that as well. Getting to teach uh College students who are about to go off into the world and uh, it's fun to, to look at them as someone who at, at 38 I've got enough gray hair to look uh, old enough and uh, I get to present to them hey you're about to walk out of here and into a job where someone with hair grayer than me is going to ask you to do something with social media, and I want you to be able to say yes I can do that so that's my big goal with them. Um, and I love being able to do that, but that's so that's kind of a, a bridge into the the leadership world.
1: You know, right. uh, boy, there's a lot of things I'd like to unpack there if we had the time. <laughs> that was so great. Here, here's what a couple things that stood out to me. One is that uh, I I don't know if you're a rarity or if it's more common than I think, but I think a lot of people struggle with um, sort of the, what do I want to be when I grow up? Mm. Even, even in their, their thirties and sometimes into their forties of, ah, I just haven't quite found my purpose. And what you just described your ability to, to transfer the things that motivate you about ministry into what you're doing now, I think is a real gift to be able to do. A lot of people have difficulty with that. I was, um, my son sent me a, a video of a, I don't know his name. Sorry, I would I'm not prepared. I wasn't gonna mention this, so I don't know the link or anything. But um, a physicist uh, had a PhD in physics. I don't remember what university, and wanted to go into academics just because that's where most physicists go is into academics and research and. Uh, he was revealing how scarce the job market actually is in academics. You wouldn't think it is, but it is a highly, highly competitive world where you know three thousand people are applying for two hundred jobs in a particular you know thing. But um, he taught. He now he's worked for Bank of America for I don't know ten or eleven years now, and wow. found his groove. And his talk on YouTube that my son sent me was about how that came about, like what, how is a physicist who wanted to go into academics and research end up at Bank of America? And what he did is he talked about the transferable skills. Like Physicists are good at logic. They're good with data. They're good with solving problems. They're good with solving problems nobody else has ever solved before, so there's no book or manual for it. There's no research on it. They have to figure it out. And guess who has a lot of those kinds of problems? the banking industry, who knew? And so, you know, he's finding that the, the, what drives him, what, what clicks in his brain as a physicist is actually transferable to a lot of other things. And I say all that to say, I think you just described that your ability to go from ministry, you even tied in social media. And I just think, um, one of the, one of the challenges that coaching can actually help a lot with is, is helping people figure out what is that actual passion and purpose that what is that, that motivates me? Cause when you really figure that out, the job market opens up exponentially for you. Cause it's not just some specialty. It's all kinds of things you can go fulfill your purpose in. I don't know. Just what's what rang. To I
0: agree. You. I agree one hundred percent. That was uh, in that season where I was trying to figure out what the next step was, I actually uh, w- was introduced to Dr. Smith and had the opportunity to, to do a training uh, seminar with him. And It was in that process that I really uh, discovered some of the other aspects of, of coaching that uh, just rocked my world. So, Learning about uh, assessments like the DISC and the FIRO-B mm. and things that we use regularly in coaching um, at that same point when I was trying to figure out what my next step was. I learned a lot about me. I learned a lot about the things that I I, I knew were true, but couldn't put words to uh, things that I, I, if you gave me a situation, I could know how I would respond, how I might react, what I might think, but I couldn't pinpoint why that is and and why that made me unique from any other person uh, that you put me next to that process of, of self-assessment was really valuable for me in identifying uh, where I would be not just, not just successful because it's really not about, you know, here you have a job, here you have money. If you're not satisfied, if you're not finding significance, um, if you're not content in those spaces based on the work that you're doing, no amount of money is going to really satisfy that. Right. So uh, in in that self-assessment season, I, I really learned a lot about what I'm passionate about. And and you're exactly right. It It's not a, a job title as much as the, what is it that you get to spend your time doing? And as uh, as someone who's Gone through that shift, you know, in in the in the you know 30s. Um, I, I there's a lot of stuff I learned about me. I wish I knew when I was in college. Uh, there's a, so many people that I talk to at, in, in, that are in college now or have recently left that they're trying to figure out what they want to do, and they often will start by, "Well, this is what my friends are doing. This is what my parents have, have told me to do. This is the college that I get into." And so I'm just gonna. Chase this until it it's unbearable, and mm. uh, for some people it becomes unbearable at twenty two. For some people, it's forty two, and some people just you know go as as hard and long as they can and 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 gut it out. But uh, that was for me was really helpful, and I, I've seen with leadership systems we do a lot with uh, career. Coaching and transitional coaching and that self-assessment process is so valuable. Uh, knowing yourself, knowing what, uh, what things you're not just good at, but, uh, what, what makes you unique to be, effective in a given day. Uh, what can you walk away and go, that was amazing. I, I loved every second of that day that someone else may look at and go, that would be miserable. I would absolutely hate it. Um, we're unique. People are unique. And so there's not a, a blanket statement that any, anyone and everyone can do every job. That's just not how, how it works. We're uniquely created. We have unique strengths and passions and, uh, being able to understand those on the front end of any experience is extremely valuable to being successful and effective.
1: Mm, no doubt. Okay. I really do want to get to coaching, but I'm not, I'm not ready yet. I want to talk about ministry for a minute because, uh, okay. A a little, a, a little bit of a background. I don't want to talk much here. I want to hear you, but, um, I'm currently at Columbia international university in a PhD program in organizational leadership and CIU is a, um, faith centered Christian university. Fully accredited by all the folks that accredit Clemson or anybody else, but with a with a faith bent, and it's really interesting that you know many of not everybody, but many of the people that are in the program are also in ministry or or are um, involved in they're they're touching somewhere in ministry in their churches, including some of the faculty at CIU. And, uh, by the way, Dr. Brian Simmons, uh, will be on the program next week. We're excited about that. He is the associate provost at CIU, but here's what I'm uh, between that and my own experience with ministry, which is actually pretty extensive as well. Um, and just what I've learned in working with ministers is that the ministry can be one of the most dysfunctional arenas for leadership. (laughs) <laughs> okay. And you would think, well, that shouldn't be the case, right? It's ministry. It's, it's, you know, it's God centered and it's about loving people and caring for people. That's what ministry actually is. Why is it so dysfunctional? And, and um, I mean, seriously, like you know, there's, there's conflict in church sometimes as much, if not more than any other organization, you know, why is that? Or there's a dysfunction in, in the, the way that, that a lot of ministers lead. Um, I've talked to people who've said they've learned as much about poor leadership as they have good leadership in the arena of the ministry. Why is that from your perspective? Um, having lived in that life and been around it and why do you think that is what's unique about the ministry world that, that just drives these challenges and makes it difficult, makes leadership particularly difficult.
0: That is a great question. Uh, a bit of a loaded question. I'll I try know. to answer. <laughs> I know it is. I,
1: um, well, you weren't prepared for that one, were you?
0: No, I, that's uh, but that's it's a great question and one that is uh, is kicked around a lot. I mean, I've had I've had lots of conversations and um, uh, over the years of of the uh, why exactly why why is that the case? Because I, I fully agree. When you know, you, you see in, in the New Testament, we see you know where two or more are gathered, there, here I am, and that's true. Um, God is present when two or more are gathered, but also there is uh, there's a great potential for disunity. There's a great potential for frustration. There's yeah, great potential yeah, for yeah. Read the rest of the New Testament. And, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's there's plenty yeah, in it's, there. It's,
0: it's a it's a blueprint for chaos in in many uh, many of Paul's letters he's writing. You guys, knock it off. <laughs> mm. So much the New Testament is is basically uh, the gospel. You know, was what it was, and and Jesus did what he did, and then we all were left with this. Uh, this mandate, this commission that it seems impossible yet, you know, and, and there's, there's a lot, there's a lot there that could be unpacked, but to start with, I, I love that regardless how us humans foul up the whole process um, thousands of years later, it's still here. Um, the church has continued to be uh, effective and, uh, and has continued to, to change lives uh, even as feeble as our attempts are to mm represent Jesus to the world. Um, and there are, there are places and, uh, institutions and people that, that really get it wrong. And there are places and people and institutions that really get it right. And it's not about us. It's about us trying to do what we can do to present, uh, the truth in, in a culture that sometimes doesn't want it sometimes desperately needs it and has no idea. Um, but that process is, is, uh, it's it can absolutely be challenging and uh, again made more even more challenging when there's more than one person in the room <laughs> well, uh, so to uh,
1: you man i'm stuck on the sustainability thing as you said we're still around yeah it's like yeah so with all the dysfunction but we're still around like how many companies can say that how many, sure. how, many yeah. how many organizations can say yeah you know this is our 2000th uh, anniversary this year and we're you know Um, and so they, uh, the church and, you know, we could debate, you know, what is the church, but very generally speaking, yeah, the church has been around for, for a couple thousand years and still survives fractured as it might be, um, splintered and factioned and all those kinds of things Mm -hmm. as it might have become, it is still, the ministry is still here and you know um yeah didn't jesus i mean he ministered to the the people with the biggest challenges mm-hmm. and so that's that's what church is right it's about yeah there's challenge there's conflict yeah. because there's people and that's you know that's where it, i think it crosses over in any sector is people are people and where there are people there are problems and yeah. and oh yeah the mission of ministry uh, it's a pretty big mission like it's challenging. It, it's a it's, big it's messy. thing. Yeah. And it's, it's messy. messy. You
0: see, you see what Jesus did throughout the Gospels. He he didn't shy away from messy things. He leaned in. Um mm. and that if if that's the model for what we uh, what we should do as the church or as as people who follow Christ, then then that's going to look messy. And you try to involve two people with two different perspectives; it's 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 going to get messy. Uh, marriage is messy, and there's only two people involved in that, and it still gets messy. Um, but I just I, I, I love I love looking at it from that perspective uh, because it, it reminds me, you know, Rome thought they were going to squash all of Christianity, and uh, Christianity has certainly outlived uh, the the Roman. Uh, Conquest, and so uh, there, there's nothing that can stop. Obviously, I mean, God is in control, um, and regardless of the situation or the culture or the landscape that can be uh, telling us that He can't, He He can, and He is in control. We hmm. um, uh, have to. I have to be reminded of that specifically. Uh, yeah. So, um, and that, I think that does lead into kind of the, the my my answer to that that question of dysfunction is just because people are people, we are we are imperfect and putting us in a church building or putting pastor in front of someone's name does not take away their imperfection. It doesn't uh, absolve them of uh, the ability to do dumb things. Uh, I don't think that anyone who's ever been to church uh, would look, Oh, these people are perfect. They've just got it all together. If you think that, then they're really good at pretending. Um, they're not uh, any more perfect than anyone else. We are all sinners. And that is where uh, we, we should find uh Common ground, but often we we end up partitioning uh, perfection and imperfection in a very unhealthy way, Um, and that that does lead to a lot of dysfunction. But uh, and I I will say, having having served on staff at several churches, and also uh, the the church that we go to now, you know, we volunteer, but I'm not on staff. I I, uh, I know that every every church has. Issues. Every church has the potential for dysfunction. Every church has the potential for uh, letting you down and and even hurting your feelings sometimes because they're made up of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still hold to the fact that being part of a community that is focused on learning about God and loving people like He does is is absolutely worth the uh, fighting through the messy uh, and to 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 do what God has called us to do with, with the commission.
1: Well, that's values coming into play. And I heard a pastor one time say, uh, if you came into these doors today, thinking that the people in here are perfect, you are clearly a visitor. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's, uh, it's real hey so let let's let's shift gears here a little bit and let's talk about coaching um that that is the centerpiece of what lsi is about you mentioned the three pillars at lsi and two of them well all three of them really involve coaching but two of mm. them very directly one is coaching one-on-one coaching executive coaching right. and the other is teaching people to coach uh, let's talk about uh coaching for a minute um my look our listeners have heard me talk about this ad nauseum but as the As the coach trainer there at LSI, what do you say is the difference? What is coaching? I mean, how is coaching different from like mentoring or even consulting or being a business advisor and those kinds of things? What is it about coaching from your perspective that makes it valuable?
0: That's a fantastic question. And one that uh, we often uh, start with when we're teaching uh, people how, what coaching is Um, often Often people will see coaching. I'm sure if, if they've been listening to the Leadership Window, they they have a, a pretty good idea of what coaching is. But uh, the the initial idea people have about coaching tends to be sports related, which it's mm-hmm. uh, 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 not actually where the word comes from. Uh, I'm, I'm sure if if, uh, if you haven't heard that yet, it's uh, it actually is based on the four wheel carriage where people were were coached. They were pulled uh, by a horse drawn carriage, and so that that concept of of coaching is really pulling the coachee, uh from where they are to where they want to be. The, the difference for me and the way that we uh, tend to describe it at LSI, the difference between coaching and consulting is the coach comes with questions, the consultant comes with answers. And so if you have someone come in to your organization as a consultant, they're going to come in with all the answers that you could ever ask for, they're going to have uh, very confident answers, probably very helpful answers, um, but they are their answers. And so as a coach, we come with questions. We come curious and with the uh, the mentality of we are going to try to pull you as a leader or you as an organization. We're going to pull from where you are to where you want to be. We're going to pull your solutions, your ideas, your uh, your best thinking. Um, so the solution doesn't come from the coach. The solution or the answers come from the coachy, and that's that's a a major shift for me. When I got into this industry, I didn't didn't even recognize that, that was a thing. And so, learning the concept with those parameters really changed the game. As I looked at leadership, um, it's not about top down having answers. Here's I'm gonna, I'm going to dictate what you do. This is this is leadership is me telling you what to do and where to go and how to do it and when to do it. Coaching is pulling from the other person, the person who's closest to the issue, the person who's closest to the problem, uh, the person who solving that problem actually matters the most to, and getting them on board, getting ownership and buy-in from them by getting their thoughts out on the table and helping them sift through, uh, the, to find their best thinking and their most effective, uh, strategizing to, to solve those problems. Yeah, that's um, I, good. I love that.
1: Our, our listeners are finding what you're saying to be very familiar. I'm sure. But, All right. but <laughs> can, can I add a caveat? Um, one, one that I learned that I really needed to add, and it it wasn't that I, I needed a mind shift, but I did need to make sure that I wasn't communicating incorrectly. Um, Mm -hmm. I often talk about the difference between a coach and a consultant, but I learned that I had to qualify that and make sure that people weren't interpreting me to say that coaching is better than consulting. Oh, absolutely. And, And here's what I mean by, there are times when you, you need a consultant you need the subject matter expert in a field to come in and and assess things and make a set of recommendations based on whether it's science or best practice or evidence or expertise or experience. And, uh, you know, coaching is a powerful tool, but it's not the only one in the box. And I was doing a, uh, I'll tell you where I learned this. I was doing a workshop and I said, you know, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a consultant. I'm a coach and coach comes with, I said many of the same things you just said. And, uh, sometime later in the workshop, you know, this woman raised her hand to ask a question and she goes, well, first of all, I'm, I'm not a coach. I'm just a lowly consultant, but, and it dawned on me. I thought, Oh no, 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 I'm not saying that, you know, yeah, we, we need cons- consultants and I can play one when I need to. And sometimes the, the skills merge.
0: Absolutely. Um, I would even say that uh, there's often overlap where when you're coaching, uh, one of the best solutions you can help someone find is the, uh, a, a strategic move of finding the right consultant. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. If, if you're trying to help well them put. get to someone who has an answer, if they don't have an answer as the coach, I don't want to be the one giving them the answer, but I can absolutely help navigate the conversation so that they can determine the best consultant that they need to go take their problem to, or they need to interview or, or ask. So there's, there's a lot of overlap and there's certainly value. I think in both, like you said, it, it's a tool. It's not the only tool, but it's certainly a tool that everyone should be able to have access to.
1: So when does someone call on a coach? Why, why would someone call on a coach then rather than a consultant? Usually when you, when you think about, well, I need a coach, it's because I've got a problem or I've got a situation or I've got a challenge. Why wouldn't I call in a consultant right away? When, when is the time to call on a coach?
0: Uh, Patrick, we get calls for coaching in a lot of different uh, arenas, a lot of different seasons. Um, one of the most consistent ones is people who are in transition. So they're trying to uh, move either into a, a new role and they, the, old, uh, the old adage, what got you here won't get you there. Great book, great uh, uh, way to be thinking about things. The, when someone gets promoted into a new role, they may go, okay, I was really good at producing and now I'm leading people. And my organization may think that those skills transfer, but they they may not for yeah, me. Yeah. And they want to make sure that they are transitioning well and being effective with what they do. And so, either they or the organization may offer uh, the opportunity for them to to experience some coaching. So, in those transitional seasons, um, coaching is a great way for someone who's who's leading or really doing anything to have that person help them walk through some of the things that are either new to them, challenging to them. Uh, You know, one of the, the biggest wins of coaching I think is being able to have effective conversations when the future is unknown or even unknowable. And so in those transitional periods, you know where you've been, but you don't necessarily know where you're going or what that landscape looks like. Coaching is really valuable in those seasons. Um, another big s- space that we, we tend to work in is people who do get in sticky situations. They overplay a strength. Um, they're really good at getting things done and then they're put in charge of a team and they, uh, they take that strength of being effective and producing and they uh, become too dominant with a team. And then they're like, well, this isn't working. And instead of going, okay, well, this person is just not a fit. Coaching may be a great option for them to understand, again, that self-assessment, recognizing, okay, what I'm doing, is an effective thing, but I'm doing it in an ineffective way. And I'm having a negative impact on my team mm. and on the organization coaching. in those situations those are two, two of the
1: bigger ones that we see uh, that, that people are uh,
0: looking for coaching.
1: Mm, that is beautifully articulated. Great examples. You made me think of uh, seminal work by Ron Heifetz and Marty Linsky on adaptive leadership, where mm-hmm. they define the difference between adaptive leadership and technical leadership or technical solutions. There's a, again, there's a place for both, but they, they define, I'm really paraphrasing this probably not not very well, but you know the technical solution is uh, that situation where there is a known answer, somebody has it. Somebody has solved this problem before. Help us solve it. Um, or the leader saying, I know how to solve this problem. here's what you do. Adaptive leadership is when um, solutions have to be co-created out of thin air. Uh, there, There is no known solution. And you're dealing with not one issue of technical difficulty. You're dealing with what is the adaptive dynamic that's causing this technical difficulty. Um, you know, why do we have the dysfunction we have? Why are, you know, so uh, it's like, I think one of the examples they give is, you um, you know, your, your child, your teenager is, uh, start starting to drive and they want to borrow the car. And, um, you know, the, the, he, they come back with the car and they, and they say, you know, the brakes are starting to squeak. Well, that's a technical solution. You take it to the mechanic and they replace the pads on it. And then, you know, a month later, the brakes are squeaking again. Okay. Well go back to the mechanics, a technical solution. No, there's an adaptive situation going (laughs) on. You got to (laughs) figure out, you know, you might be overdriving this car Mm -hmm. for example. And so how do you adaptively solve that? And I think that's, those are the places where coaches can be really, really valuable to help you uncover things that you just haven't paused to uncover. You should have been able to uncover it yourself, but there's just something about it. We, we, We have a hard time coaching ourselves, don't we?
0: Absolutely. And that's where having that third party, that, that additional voice uh, to kind of bounce things off of is, is, is such a, uh, a unique tool that, that
1: can be so effective. Yeah. So um, we, we could talk all day and all week about coaching. Uh, but again, the, the second pillar is, uh, with LSI is teaching people how to coach. And we don't have time to <clears throat> give out certifications here to, on this podcast, but, <laughs> but if you were to describe what aspiring coaches might learn, for example, it, it, um, LSI does a seminal uh, leadership coaching program, a, a, a practicum now that, that I think you're calling it. Um, You know, where it's a couple of days of really getting intense into the coaching model, getting some, you know, some role play and some learning what coaching is and starting to go, oh, okay, I think I get it. What are maybe three to five of the main things they learn when they walk out of that? Now, I I, I know what I learned, but you've been doing this many more times than I have now at LSI, and you've seen so many cohorts come through. And you've also, by the way, uh, uh, I want to do a, like a public shout out to you. You have, since I attended, um, LCT, which is what it was called prior, um, leadership coaching training. When I attended it for the first time, it was fantastic. Um, I went on to get my certification. Um, now it is the, is it LCP leadership coaching practicum? Is that what you call it? That's correct. Uh, Um, and I, but just in the time that you've been there, Michael, Um, I have really seen some great refinements and keeping the program fresh and relevant. And I mean, Jim always does that. He's adaptable, but in terms of even just the, the content, I know you've, I know the part you've played in this, uh, I can really see the growth. And so I see it evolving again and a virtual aspect of it. So I just, I wanted to give you that shout out, but what, what, what are some of the, maybe the three to five things that people walk out the key things they learned that they didn't really think of maybe when they came in.
0: Well, first of all, thank you. I, I appreciate the the kind words there. It's, it's certainly a, uh, an incredible uh, vehicle for, for learning. Um, we, uh, when we approach teaching coaching, uh, there are a lot of different ways to, to teach anything. Um, there's of course upfront presentation, which we do. There's uh, hands-on Process which we do. There's repetitiveness which we do. Uh, there's repetitiveness which we do. Uh, a terrible <laughs> joke. <laughs> um, but we we try to hit all of those things uh, across the process. So we've actually broken up broken up our, our our training into three different steps uh, for certification. And it starts with um, with a, a presentation. Here's the model. Learn the model. Um, we found that just learning the model is extremely valuable in our master coach seminar. You learn the master coach model that, that uh, Jim created years ago. Um, and it's so simple. Um, but to, to learn it, uh, as a presentational model, just to learn the steps of it is extremely valuable. Sometimes it's it, people will walk out going, I just, I didn't know that I could be that I had permission <laughs> to do uh, something so simple and to have this, this tool of using this model, um, in leading people. So they'll walk out with the model and go, okay, I've learned these, these three or these nine words, and it's changed the way that I approach leadership. It changed the way I approach my uh, my interaction with my team. Um, that's that's a big part of it. Uh, I would say a second uh, uh, learning uh, that, that people walk away from is is the value of questions. And I'm sure you, I know you talk about questions a lot. It is huge. It really is the essence of coaching is, is asking great questions. Uh, I remember the first time uh, I met Jim, I had uh, lunch with him. And just in the conversation I had with him at lunch, I walked away from that lunch and into a creative planning meeting. And it, I, I handled that meeting extremely different just by hearing him talk about questions. Uh, and it was it was so stark the the difference in in the way that I approached that meeting. People notice They're like, "Are you are you okay? Like, what's something's something's changed? Why are you asking us so many questions?" And the the there's an art and skill of the question asking that you can learn through the process of of our coaching training. It's designed not to just ask random questions, but to ask questions strategically, to ask questions that have a point and a purpose to pull people uh, from where they are to where they want to be. Um, and and again, often leaders will walk out of our training um, feeling like they've been given permission, permission to ask questions, permission to not have to be the expert. Uh, I think I've seen so many people just just almost be relieved that they don't have to have all the answers. Um, they don't have to have all the answers for uh, for the questions that their team is uh is presenting them with um that's that's a huge relief for them the the concept of questions
1: uh one of the things that I, that i notice having been a table coach at that uh, seminar a number of times is it is the most difficult thing and it was for me it still is i still i you know as as um you know, prolific a question asker as some people might think I am. I, I still have to struggle with that because we want to solve. We do want to solve. There's this intrinsic thing that said, particularly if we think we know the answer, you know, if we've experienced it, we've been through it. Like, let me tell you how to fix this. And it'll be like, you're, you're beating your head against a wall and you shouldn't be. And one of the hardest things to do, uh, to give folks a preview of one of the things that takes place in the, in the workshop is you, you do some practicing and I yes. won't even call it role play really, because it's actually real coaching. Um, we take some real situations and, um, and we get to practice coaching people that are dealing with some real challenges that they'll share with you. And, uh, and I just, you watch him, you tell them stay in question mode, stay in question mode, stay in question mode. And you watch the coach just go. Well, you know what you might can cons- and they'll, and you just kind of, uh, uh, no, 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 don't do it. <laughs> and it's hard to do. And they'll look at you like, oh, I know, I know I'm supposed to be asking a question right now, but I don't know what question to ask. So it truly is. I think you learn how to formulate how to, how to think of your next question. And your mindset is really in, you said the word curiosity. It's in genuine when you're genuinely curious The, the right questions will come somebody, I don't remember where I heard this, but I've said it several times since uh, maybe just, I don't know, three or four months ago, Uh, you know, if you've ever been to active listening workshops where they tell you, you know, to, to, to do, to be an active listener, you want to let people know that you're listening. And so make eye contact you know, or, or, you know, nod every once in a while, or watch your body language or, you know, paraphrase, reflect something back to them. And somebody said the other day, said, you want to know the best way to demonstrate to someone that you're really active listening. Listen, (laughs) like you, you don't, you, you don't have to think about, you know, how's how's my eye contact? You know, how's my, if you're truly curious, those, those, um, um, manifestations will happen automatically if you're truly curious. And that is one of the big things that I think people learn out of, out of LCT or LCP now. Yeah. Keep, 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 keep going. What, what are some of the other sort of key Tenants, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but
0: no, you're, you're good. That that's actually was the next one I was going to hit on was, is the experiential nature of it. you know, there's there's so much you can learn from, from having something presented to you, but we are intentional about uh, having an experience where you're actually doing the act of coaching Mm -hmm. Um, and both by, by including that there's really three seats that you get to sit in, which is extremely valuable to to practice the coaching, you get several times to, to actually use the model and coach someone else. That's huge to be able to practice it in a, in a vacuum where you can learn it. And it's not, you know, if you, if you mess it up, that people are there to, you know, help, help you. And it still provides valuable coaching. They're not going to avoid your contract. Right. Right. But then you also get to sit in that other seat and you get to receive coaching. So you get to see how coaching feels from the other side Mm -hmm. and you get to observe someone and feel the, the impact of someone asking you those questions. You get to feel how, how does it feel to have someone take that much of an interest in you as a coachee Mm -hmm. For some people, that's uh, just a, a completely different animal uh, when, they, when they see that as a, as a leadership tactic. They go, oh, this is what it feels like for someone to coach me. This is what I, how I can make someone else feel when I use this model. And the third seed is being able to observe it. It, it. It's unbelievable how many people go through the process and they'll say, I learned so much more from watching the conversation happen. There's no pressure on me to ask the next question. And all of a sudden, I have five questions I could have asked. Um, there's there's something about observing that process that is extremely valuable. Um, that we we found people walking away from going that that seat, sitting in that seat, mm. made all the difference mm. in me learning how to do this. Um, and, and I would say the uh, the listening is is of course that's that's huge. We do several uh, listening type activities uh, that uh, really change the. The nature of those conversations and walking away, going, oh, this is this is what listening really is. It's not, it's not you're saying words while I'm thinking of my next words, right. which is often how we we approach. I'm listening to you, uh, but the moment you stop talking, I have something else I'm going to say. That's not really listening. Um, and you, you nailed it. It's it's being genuine in your approach to hearing what someone else is is having to say. And uh, we found that the more genuine you are as a listener, the more authentically you listen to someone else, the more genuine your questions are going to be. You're not going to ask a a list of questions that you've pre-thought of. You're not going to Mm. try to help navigate them to somewhere you want to be. But if you are truly listening, you will be truly curious and, and you will find yourself really engaging with them in a way that Uh, is pulling them where they want to go and need to go without you having your preconceived uh, structure for what that looks like. Um, And that's a a very helpful thing for people who typically come in with too much structure and too much uh, micromanagement of the process. Uh, Just the practice of listening can be really helpful in in getting out of that rut.
1: Powerful stuff. it really, it really is a, uh, there's a, there's a lot you get in a day Mm. and a half (laughs) i would tell you that i will tell you that and i like it because it it leaves people wanting a little bit more but the beauty of it is that you have additional pathways for those that do want to dig deeper so um, including a pathway all the way to certification so you don't walk out of of um, a day and a half you know a certified leadership coach but you um you walk out with one piece of the criteria checked and um open your mind to Um, possibilities of going deeper and doing peer coaching and doing deeper workshops and um, doing some actual coaching with uh, clients and things like that. Uh, So there's a full path to certification, which I think is valuable for coaches, especially those that are looking to increase their professional credentials inside an organization like a SHRM certificate and other things. Um, But, but even more so for people who are looking to have coaching businesses, it's a, it's really powerful. You know, um, Coaches coaching now, you talked about the day when coaching wasn't coaching, it was you know feedback sessions. Um, coaching now, I mean, you Google coach and you'll find a billion coaches. And there's life coaches and health coaches and career coaches and you know what all these different kinds of coaches. And uh, you know, everybody's a coach. It's just like when digital cameras came out, everybody suddenly became a professional photographer. You know, you put a watermark on your pictures and boom, you're in business. Um, but if you're re you know, if you're going to hire a wedding photographer, you're not just going to go to any photographer who has a watermark and a digital camera, you're going to, you're still going to look for credential. You're going to look for experience. You're going to look for the professionalism and an LSI certification tells people, this isn't just someone who said, Hey, I could be a coach. Anybody can do it. Right. Um, it, this is someone who has been through the rigor and the training, and this is re, This is validated, reliable, researched principles and, and training that are, that are being offered here. By the way, I'm not saying that you can't coach if you don't have a certification. I did it for a while, you know, and, um, there's really good ones by the way. Uh, it's not required, but it is a, it's a helpful credential to have and you learn, I mean, you, you, it makes you a better coach. So I'm, I, I can't endorse it enough. And it's been many years since I went through it as a participant, but I've been through it so many times now as a table coach and just watching it evolve and just get better and better and better. It's great. Um, you also, <laughs> you're talking about meeting with Jim for the first time. If Jim is, uh, boy, talk about practice, what you preach, this guy is so artful in asking questions and putting it back on you to make your mind do the work, your brain do the thinking. And, uh, he's just gotten so good at it. And it's not, it's not deflection. I mean, maybe technically it is, but that's, it's, it's more than that. It's, it's, Hey, you got more in there than you're allowing out it's, it's him telling you the answers in there. You, you're looking to me for it, but really I bet if I ask a good series of questions, a good solution will arise. And, and nine times out of 10, if not 10, it does. In fact, when Jim came on the show, uh, when I first started, I had to tell him, okay, Jim, this is this is a podcast. It's my podcast. And when I ask you a question, you're not allowed to say, what do you think? (laughs) Right. You can't put it back on me. I'm not going to let you on the podcast. And he did. He was very, he actually said, you know, out of respect for your show, I'm going to answer this as a, as an expert and he had great stuff, but no, it's, um, and as, and and this is what he says, he practices it, but his, his, uh, core is that coaching is a mindset. It's not an event. And I think that's, I think you walk away from a day and a half. Uh, you know, it's like when it's like anything else you, you, you spend all day swimming. What do you, you go to bed? Like, what are you doing? You're swim Like you can't get your mind off swimming. You dream about swimming that night because you spent the entire day swimming. You walk away from a day and a half of this coaching and you start to get the mindset. You actually start, it actually starts to sink in pretty quickly. You see things through a different lens. That's, that's my, that's my experience anyway.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love the, the, um, the idea of being effective as a coach is more about getting into the right mindset than it is about having the right experience, the right education, um, the right background. It's, it's truly a mindset. I, I have a, there's a group, um, of post-college, uh, young people that, uh, that I get the chance to work with on a fairly regular basis for the last several years and they are walking out of college and into their career. They're in a fellows programs. So they're trying to determine what their career is going to be, what their you know, first initial steps into that career is. And to see them uh, kind of the light bulb go on behind their eyes, they go, oh, I can do this right now, even with my temp job, or even as I'm the low man on the totem pole, uh, as it is, they, they can have effective conversations with their employer um, that really is leadership, but is done without having to have uh, a master's or doctorate or without having to be the most tenured person in the room um, by, by having the mindset of a coach, they can, they can be effective in the room. They can have uh, an impact on the team and on the organization on the bottom line. Mm. Uh, they, they can, they can be a player in the space by having the right mindset. That's not, I'm the person coming in with all the answers, but by asking the right question at the right time in the right way, they can make a huge difference
1: I think you're right without the risk of coming off as arrogant. Some of the, I've always said, you know, I've been, I've been in countless board meetings, the, the smartest people to me in a board meeting, it's that person who is kind of quiet a little bit. And then at a critical moment, raises her hand and says, why aren't we, why, why are we not talking about such and such? (laughs) Or what if we, did such and such, or tell me what the relationship is between what we're trying to do over here and our mission. The ones that ask the great questions that make everybody go, Oh yeah. Huh? <laughs> those are the, those are the smartest people in the room. I also think, and I'll get your take on this cause you're, you're, um, you're young. <laughs> even, <laughs> even though you do have our, our uh, listeners can't see you like I can on the screen, but you do have, you do have a little bit of gray streak in there going on, oh. uh, getting there a little early. That's okay. That shows that wisdom, but, um, you're, you are, I mean, you're a young professional, right? You're 38, 39. Oh, 38. Okay. I, I knew I was close. Um, so you have a really interesting, um, vantage point because being sort of in that middle ground and by the way, working with a lot of youth with, you know, college and career and your work in youth ministry and previously, and, but you're also around, you know, seasoned corporate CEOs or, or people like Jim, um, who's a, you know, a seasoned veteran of all of this. And so you're kind of getting to see how the various generations approach leadership. Mm. And I think, I think it was you actually, Uh, my, I don't know if it was you or Jim, but I think it might've been you that said one thing that coaching does is it opens the minds of the younger professionals quicker because today's generations don't want to be told. They don't want to be preached at. They want to, they don't want some old idea, um, you know, because they're skeptical and they challenge everything. So coaching cuts that off. Coaching cuts that off at the pass and just opens their minds more. Say more about that. I think it was you I heard that from. Maybe it was. I, I don't remember, but it was at one of our. Um, it was at one of our training sessions when we were talking about doing some some videos and things. And um, and your. Oh, I know what it was. It was your uh, uh, the leadership one hundred and one sort of online stuff that you were doing at the time.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, with Leadership Systems University, which yeah, is uh, yeah. still going on, we got some video courses. But and it, that sounds too brilliant to be me, so I'm gonna I assume that was probably Jim that said it. Uh, I maybe I stole go. it from him. Maybe you can steal it from <laughs> both of us. <laughs> yeah, you do hang
1: around him more than I do. So,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I say yes, I, absolutely. There's so when when you're looking at the the generational gaps, I know uh, a couple uh, episodes ago you had Raven on. She did an incredible job talking about the different generations and how they approach leadership, how they approach relationship. There's, there's so much, uh, there's just a deep well of, of information there. So if you haven't listened to that one, go back yeah. and, and catch what she said about it. Um, but to kind of jump off of both of those things, there's, there's a different, I think the biggest difference between generations when it comes to leadership, when it comes to, um, communication expectations are huge. Um, I'll often, as I'm working with college students, I'll, I'll express to them there's the biggest difference between you and your potential boss is your expectation. What do you expect out of this environment and what do they expect out of you in this environment? Maybe two different things. You may butt heads and uh, have major conflict or be completely let down, uh, or be completely impressed. It's all, it all comes down to expectations. What's your expectation of this, uh, of this experience going to be, um, often with communication, we see the same thing. Um, the, and I, I actually see there's a, there's a lot of alignment between uh, people who are in that baby boomer generation. You'll notice I said baby boomer, not boomer cause I'm Gen X ish. And so I wouldn't say, okay, boomer. Cause that's mean. Um, but, <laughs> uh, but between gen, uh, the baby boomer and the, and the Gen Z, they, they, there's a consistency with the speed at which they prefer communication Now on the, on the face. That doesn't sound like it makes sense, but, Baby boomers prefer to speak in person. They like talking on the phone. They're they're good with that face-to-face direct instant communication. Gen Z is the same way. They expect the the speed of communication to be instant. In the middle, we prefer email. Why? Cuz I can get all my thoughts out and I can send them to you, wait for them to come back to me. I prefer text email. On the on the outsides of me, older and younger, instant communication. They don't necessarily recognize that as uh, alignment. But when you see that as alignment, there can be a lot of common ground that, uh, that can kind of overlap those expectations. So I think there's a lot of things like that where, um, we're more alike than we may think that we are. Um, but when it comes to leadership, as, as you mentioned, the, the openness and, and wanting to be involved, wanting to have a seat at the table, um, not wanting to wait until you're in the, uh, the later years to, to have that, um, Uh, influence is, is certainly something that younger generations are expecting. That's, that's one of the big things they, they expect. Um, I, you know, I, I just, as a bit of an aside, one of the questions that, that I actually ask in the, the, the uh, class that I teach on social media is the difference between digital natives and digital immigrants. And I, I asked this question on the midterm. It's always in, entertaining for me. Um, so digital immigrants uh, have, have, been, uh, have grown up without technology and then it's been kind of thrust upon them or they've learned it later in years. And digital natives have grown up using technology fluidly. I'll ask these students, how might you uh, reduce conflict or find a way to uh, to work together between these two uh, groups? And without fail, they always offer suggestions for the digital immigrants, the older generation on what they might do to be more tech savvy. And very rarely do I hear them go, you know, maybe we should be able to communicate evenly and maybe we could learn some things from them. But that, <laughs> they, they always find things for someone else to do. Um, but there's a lot of uh, communication that could happen that, that gives I think there's a lot of things from the the older generations that that these younger professionals desperately need, they desperately need to know uh, some of the, the, the value uh, aspects of, of leadership. Um, some of the great experiences, the, the failures that have happened in, in people's lives that they could learn from and step over instead of falling down those same things um, as long as they're open back and forth. So again, there's a lot of overlap and, and wins that can happen when those communication lines are, are open. But I, I agree completely. Those uh, younger uh, younger people tend to, especially in the leadership coaching practicum, they jump into role play so quickly, and it's really harder for someone who's seasoned, has the experience, has the education, has the tenure. It's a little bit harder to get in that mindset and and not be the person with the answer because they've been they've made that their goal to be the person who has the answer. And when you spent decades trying to be the person who has the answer, and then you're told now you have to be the person who has the question. That that's a big change that can be be difficult to to experience in a in a positive way.
1: That's fascinating, and I and again, I'm just going to attest from personal experience. For me, it's taking a lifetime mm. to make that shift. It really is. I mean, um, I'm still learning it. I still find myself now. It's I'm 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 fulfilled that I am actually learning it. I can tell. Oh, I'm growing. And it feels good to grow in it, but I'm still growing in that um, because it it can. And there, the other thing is, there is a time when advice is a good thing to like. It's a good thing, you know. Yeah. It, it's that's the that's the dichotomy is we don't want to get uh, some people, you know, the, into this binary of well it's either coaching or it's consulting there, there really is a use for both. And it's that understanding of how to balance the two and know when to pull out the tool. And I guess maybe the the key is don't pull out the advice tool too quickly. Um, maybe that's, you know, one of the things that, that I've, um, that I've gotten out of this I'm going to, um, uh, I wish we had more time, Michael, and we'll have to pick this up another time. This has been fantastic. I really appreciate you diving deep with some of this, uh, content. Uh, but I want to ask you two more questions and, uh, between the two questions, I want to get you to, uh, to share a special opportunity with our um, listeners that I, that I promised them. But the first question I want to ask you is a question that I ask everyone and just coming back to you, I love to hear about the leaders in people's early careers or lives that have helped them sort of shape their view of leadership and how that came to be. And I I just love the diversity of responses that I get. And I learn a lot about who people are by, by uh, asking that question. So do you mind, you mind talking just a little bit about uh, a leader or two in your early life or career that has had the biggest influence on you and, and how?
0: Uh, Sure, I could do an entire podcast on the people that I (laughs) I value as uh, as leaders in my Mm. life and where where I've learned uh, in both positive or uh, hey don't do this kind of ways. Um, I'll give you two positive ones though. Uh, My my uh, my dad and my grandfather have been huge influence, especially looking back at my um, earliest years. Uh, They they both have been in uh, in leadership positions uh, in the church in their uh, in their businesses, where, wherever they find themselves, um, you'd see Howard and Brad uh, in, in seats of leadership. Not even from a top-down leadership, but just from a uh, a, a position of influence, because they see uh, they they would just they'd act as leaders. They would be. Uh, focusing on helping other people, they'd be focusing on um, doing the right thing and being intentional about that. So um, I remember uh, my dad has said for years, um, there's there's a lot of value to being a leader from the middle of the pack, which I, when I was really little, I was like, "That's that seems so weird. I think he, he said it came from John Maxwell, which he always had read a lot of. And so uh, I, I, for a long time, didn't really understand. I was like what, leader, middle, that doesn't sound right. Leaders in the front. Um, but there's a lot of value to being the person who doesn't have to be in front of people to be impacting people. And Mm. um, so I I learned uh, a lot from, from him just seeing him uh, where in whatever he has been involved in, he has, has sought to do whatever he can do to make things better for everyone else. Um, And if you do that, then that is eventually going to to, uh, impact you in a positive way as well. So I've uh, I've tried to learn uh, to do that in in my life, uh, to be be a person who's having a positive impact on other people and uh, do what I can do when I can do it. Uh, my grandfather was in the Navy for 26 years. Um, mm. he was a, uh, Mustang. Um, if you know anything about Naval terms or in the military, he, uh, came in as a, uh, you know, first years in and, and shot through and became an administrator and, um, uh, 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 an officer. He, he was just a great guy and always was, uh, intentional about doing the right thing. And so that was, uh, always influential to me. I, I think it's for me, the legacy of, of having two, two men who, um, leadership found more than they found leadership was always impactful growing up and there was almost an expectation i think when you grow up with kind of that legacy that this is just what you're a wallace so this is what we do when there's something he's doing we go do it um i'll tell you one one final story I, for uh we mentioned a little bit about ministry early on i think there's there's a intrinsic expectation of leadership being Upfront leadership being directing people Um, for me learning about leadership at a young age, it was not teaching. It was not instructing. It was not managing for me leadership at, uh, at age 13 was we went to see uh, Apollo 13 when it came out in the theaters and it was a Saturday and we went and saw it, uh, saw the movie in the theaters and, before we went home, we went to the church that night because we had to set up the tables for their uh, their Sunday school class for the next day. Because my parents were leaders in that in that group, and so I understood that as being leadership, doing what needs to get done, whether it's fun or whether it's seen or not, do what needs to get done. And so that that impacted me in, in a great way uh, growing up. I I distinctly remember where I was and where those tables were in the process of being thirteen going. I don't want to be doing this, but, but, you know, some of that, that leadership kind of splashing up on me and recognizing this is leadership. It's not just the being in front of people. It's that servant leadership. It's doing what needs to be done to have a positive impact on, on other people. And so Hmm. um, that, that was, that was huge for me growing up and I still see both of them as uh, great leaders in my life that I'm still trying to learn from.
1: That's such a great story about culture. Um, You know, a leader's number one job maybe uh, is establishing and and fostering the right culture in the organization mm-hmm. and um, you were in, it, it a family upbringing is a culture and there was just a culture of you you just do it it's the right mm-hmm. thing you just it's just who we are it's just you so you don't it doesn't it didn't require you know a sort of any other sort of mandate it was a part of the culture people just ex- you people in your family just expect that those are great stories um And, uh, great examples of how leaders have an impact on us. You know, it's funny, the family, the families, I didn't, my, both my grandparents died when I was young. I didn't really know them very well. My grandfathers, I mean, and, uh, but my father, yeah, the same thing. And I can remember a few of the the quotes and things that he would say, right. That, you know, you know, but, but it really wasn't the, like the, any framework of teaching or anything, like you said, it was more about, there was a life he lived that just let me see leadership from that view. I'll share one more thing with you. Um, when you talk about leading from the pack and not always having to be out in front, I always remember the way that our, um, police chief in Danville, Virginia said it at a leadership workshop. One time he said, there are times when you, when you have to lead from the front and you say, follow me, I know the way. There are times when you have to lead from the side and say, I'm with you. We're doing this together. And there are times when you actually lead from behind saying, you got this, I'm behind you all the way. And I thought, what a great way of putting that, you know, that, that whole thing about influence, um, man, I love this. Yeah. If this wasn't a podcast, we'd just go all day. Um, hey, listen, I do want to, I promised our listeners uh, a, a special um, incentive or a gift or um, uh, wh- how, whatever you want to call it. I think it's a, I think it's a really great offering that LSI is providing to only to the listeners of this program. And um, we're going to provide. Links um, in on the podcast on our podcast page on our website, but um, tell us, um, Michael, what it is that uh, our listeners can take advantage of and how to do it.
0: Absolutely. Well, uh, we have, uh, created a special website just for, uh, listeners of the leadership window. And so as uh, big fans of Patrick, uh, of you and, and whatever you're, you're doing, we want to support, uh, support that. And we, we appreciate anybody who's willing to take time to, uh, to learn from you in this process. So we, we got a special website, leadershipsystemscom systems.com slash jinx, J I N K S. Um, which is also your last name, coincidentally. Um, So if you'll go there, this is not a, a website or a webpage that you can get from uh, from our site, it's not even searchable on the internet. It is a secret page just for the listeners of this program. Um, and what you'll find there is a couple of our upcoming uh, right now virtual training events, but we'll keep it updated when we have live things as well uh, that are in person. Um, you'll find uh, so if you're listening to this, the, the week that it comes out, we actually have a, a virtual training that's happening this week. Um, and then, and next week, a couple of things: master coach seminar, leadership coaching practicum, and even our our kind of exclusive uh, LSI roundtable uh, event. Um, and when you go to this page, you're actually going to get some very exclusive, uh, rates for these events. Uh, so some, some discounts just for, for you guys who I know uh, you have a lot of people who are listening, who are involved in nonprofit. Um, but if they are, uh, they value leadership and, and, or uh, in your audience, we want to make sure that we're giving them opportunities to do, do, uh, some of this training that we've, we've talked about and some of this training that you've had, uh, Patrick, and, um, we wanted to make sure that everyone has the, the opportunity to access. So that's that's available to them leadershipsystems.com/jinks
1: and I will have the link on the site and and Michael uh, we we really do appreciate that but and look these are not small discounts folks that <laughs> they're offering here mm. this leadership coaching pr- coaching practicum is uh, this is the this is the 2-day uh, workshop that we were talking about a little earlier and and all the the intense wonderful engaging learning that happens in that as sort of a first step towards certification, if you want to do that. And even if you don't want to do that, this is a, this is just a fantastic day and a half to spend learning the coaching model. And, you know, we're, we're talking about half the cost of what it nor what, what has normally been the traditional rate for this uh, this deal, which by the way is already a huge discount from where you would go to get this. If you were to go to some of the big, I'm not going to name any of them, but you know, the, some of the other, places. Um, like this is, uh, this is, this is a, this is world-class stuff here.
0: And, uh, it's just so you know, if you're listening to this later on, we're going to keep this page, uh, active and updated with, with uh, fresh dates. So as, as the dates change, as we add more, uh, more things, uh, whenever you're listening to this, Make sure you check. You haven't missed it. We'll we'll yeah. always have more stuff on this page.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that because uh, the the master coach seminar, for example, is two days from the day of the release of this. I mean, at, some people are listening to this and it's already happened. So yeah, just come back to this page, bookmark it, um, and the link will always be there. And and um, so we we do appreciate LSI for uh, being a sponsor of the leadership window and uh, we'll be promoting this in future episodes as well as we go. So, but again, Michael, thank you for, um, thank you and and thank LSI for that content. That's, um, that's a real gift to our listeners. And so has, so has your time and, uh, your perspective today been just a, a tremendous gift. I have one more question for you that I ask all of our guests. If you had the one tenet of leadership that above all others you think is the number one thing to share with leaders from your perspective? What is the the Michael Wallace number one most important piece of advice for leaders?
0: Oh, that's a huge question, and I'm going to try to <laughs> condense it down as, as tightly as I can. Um, I'll start with one of my favorite TV shows that has recently come out. is called Ted Lasso. Patrick, have you seen Ted Lasso? No, I haven't okay so it's it's uh well you would like it it's about a soccer coach uh actually a football coach from america who coaches soccer in england and it's it's hysterical it's on apple plus i think but um it's the the mindset of this guy who is a football coach coaching uh english soccer um it's just it's a great journey that he has in the in the first season there's one episode where he is uh he he looks like he's getting played by another guy. Not in, actually, it's in darts. Um, but he talks about this 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 concept of being curious, and it's a it's a hilarious and heartfelt moment uh, in the show. If you haven't seen it, uh, if uh, maybe we can find a, a link or uh, you can find it on YouTube or something. But he 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 basically calls this guy out in a very gentle way for not being curious about whether he's good at darts or not, and then he smokes the guy. It's hilarious. Um, but he he talks about the value of being curious um, and most people aren't curious they, they make assumptions they think that they know enough uh, they think that they have uh, everything under control and by not being curious there are so many opportunities that can be missed um, when I when I uh, students in college or CEOs that have, have uh, years and years of experience the the mindset of being curious is extremely invaluable and wherever you are in your leadership journey I would encourage you to be curious uh, ask one more question. Uh, be genuine in that process of, of leaning into your curiosity, not um, asking a question because some guy on a podcast or some, some trainer told me I should use questions as a tool. Don't think of it as a tool. Think of it as a lifeline. If you are genuinely curious, you will find uh, answers that you didn't know existed. You'll find value in places you had no idea it would be. You, you'll find potential in people that you didn't know was there if you can stay curious. Don't assume that you know all the things. Uh, Whether you're new in leadership or been there forever, stay curious. Be in that curious mindset. Whether you're coaching, leading, managing, uh, just stay curious. You'll find that you'll end up getting where you want to be uh, and where you need to be and where others need you to be uh, if you can have a mindset that is curious.
1: Wow, that's great advice. And that's one we haven't heard before and uh, just aligns perfectly with who you are, Michael, and what LSI is all about. And um, I really appreciate it. Thanks again for coming on the show and offering such such great content and, and thought leadership and uh, for your support of the Jinx perspective and the leadership window. Appreciate you coming on.
0: My pleasure. Thank you, Patrick.
1: All right, folks, till next time, lead on.